You're listening to To Be Blunt, the podcast for cannabis marketers, where your host Shada Taravi and her guests are trailblazing the path to marketing, educating, and professionalizing cannabis. Light one up and listen up. Here's your host, Shada Taravi. Hello and welcome back to the To Be Blunt podcast. I'm your host, Shada Tarabi, cannabis business owner and brand marketer. And today's episode is the audio format of my recent panel at Cannabis Marketing Summit. Shout out to the Cannabis Marketing Summit team, an amazing event. This panel featured Joe Hodis from Wanna Brands, arguably the number one edibles company in North America. John Shute of Puff Creative, an award-winning full-service digital marketing agency which serves the cannabis industry, and Cat Wolf of Malik's Premium Cannabis, which is a small batch cultivator with flavor-first premium cannabis products. And of course, yours truly, I moderated and represented my experience building and branding Restart. We truly had a great discussion on taking your business from seed to brand especially with the context of doing more with less, which was the theme for the summit. I really wanted to address that from the different angles represented by my panelists. And I think that we did just that, discussing what do you do when you have limited budget? How do you scale your brand depending on your first year, you're just starting out to maybe year two, three, four, five, et cetera. And also the importance of brand building at every stage of your business, as well as how to get buy-in from not only just the external consumers and community, but internally with your team as well. So truly a powerhouse group of operators that I appreciated the opportunity to sit alongside. And let's be honest, I learned a ton from them. So I know that you'll pick up a few gems from this discussion. With that said, please bear with me because the audio was pulled from a video Another shout out to Max from Dope SEO who recorded this, which, by the way, you can watch the video if that's more your speed over on tobebluntpod.com. It's one of my most recent posts. So can't wait for you to tune into our conversation and encourage you to reach out with any additional thoughts that you may have about branding that you may employ with your own business or just questions about what we might have said in our discussion. P.S. Brands are constantly evolving, so there are many ways to brand, and at any given time, there could be a different priority to focus on. So really can't wait to hear what you take away from the talk. In other news, I'm off to Vegas in a few days for Champs. It's going to be fast and furious, and I'm really eager to see what new trends I can observe there, as well as just get a chance to catch up with some of my favorite canvas brands and operators. So just making a quick plug, if you'll be in Vegas, let's touch base, or if some great Vegas brands or dispos that I need to check out, please reach out and let me know. I always love hearing from you guys and love your recommendations. So the next piece of information is a super exciting personal announcement, but I just found out that I'm a nominee for the Austin Business Journal Women in Business Awards, and I feel super honored to be included representing cannabis in Texas and representing the work that I'm doing building Restart, which if you can imagine, we are celebrating Restart's five-year anniversary in August and for sure more to come on that. But wow, not that these five years flew by, but we've accomplished and have been through so much in these five years, right? So it's baby steps, but I know opportunities like this continue to bolster our leadership in the conversation here in Texas, as well as continue to act as steps towards normalization and destigmatization. I'm curious where you live, though. Do you see local media covering cannabis from a business or a local business awards perspective that isn't cannabis specific? I really would like to learn that because despite Texas not having full cannabis policy adoption, robust adult use program, or even a better medical marijuana program, we truly have some supportive local organizations. And that could also be because I'm in Austin, but I've seen other areas where cannabis has been able to penetrate in the professional and business space, like Dallas and San Antonio Startup Week, both respectfully dedicated specific tracks to cannabis in years past. It's very cool to see, again, the recognition in some of these non-cannabis specific channels. And one, yes, super excited, super honored, appreciate all the opportunities that we have had to be recognized, especially in the state of Texas on behalf of cannabis, but also because I think that these are talking points to further normalize cannabis conversations. So in that vein, I did realize something that is worth mentioning, at least from my neck of the woods and perspective, 
South by Southwest, which you may or may not know because it holds a major soft spot in my heart and takes place in my backyard and hometown of Austin, Texas every March. For the last few years, the pandemic aside, they've had a whole track specifically dedicated to cannabis on the schedule. It said cannabis track. And Last year, we noticed that no major cannabis brand had stepped up to sponsor the track. Like in years past, we had Weed Maps and Leafly. And so then last year, it was weird because L'Oreal was the sponsor. I don't know if they just needed to slot somebody in, which, yes, super weird. And then this year, which I can't believe it, but I feel like South By is going to be right around the corner once we just bust through these holidays. But this year, when they released the tracks, I noticed that cannabis wasn't on there. And when I reached out to their team, they said they're definitely still interested in covering cannabis, but they wouldn't be giving it its own track this year. But you know what I did see pop up last year and then will be a standalone track again this year? Psychedelics. So I'll leave that there for you to contemplate. I'm still working on some content around synthetic psychedelics and synthetic cannabinoids. And if you know anything about those topics, whether you're on the cannabis, the psychedelic side, chemistry, etc., or you have something to say about these topics as it relates to you, your business, your part of the world, please reach out to me. I am trying to just learn. Again, I'm just trying to learn and to bring these points up for further discussion. So now, like getting into a same but different but buzzworthy story, a major cannabis brand, cannabis from like the culture, cannabis like cultivator, cookies, they were in the news recently, which I feel like they're honestly in the news a lot, but this one really stood out to me because it's in my sphere and they are getting into the hemp derived game, y'all. I feel like every time I come on here, I uncover another regulated adult use brand who is recognizing the opportunity, loophole, call it whatever you want in the hemp side of the industry. And if you want to read further details on that particular story, it's over on Weed Week as an exclusive. And look, I know hemp-derived is a touchy subject, but all I'm going to say, not really, I'll say a bunch more, and I've certainly said a lot in the past, and I'm definitely going to say more in the future, but this is what I was going to say. It is coming, and it is here. Anyways, some high points to call out from that article, for example, they reference a legal letter from a lawyer named Rod Kite, who he happened to be on this very podcast a few months ago talking about... THCA, which is a really great refresher for anyone who is, wait, what the fuck is THCA? Sidebar, yes, it's weed, but it's classified as grown as hemp. Definitely listen to Rod's interview. Again, I think these are important topics for us as an industry to address head on and just be mindful of as it is happening. I will also note in addition to THCA, which in my professional opinion is Super ballsy for cookies to be so out in public about, but that's honestly on them, and I'll happily grab my popcorn and follow along. They are also selling hemp-derived edibles, vape, and other products in that category. So again, I'm observing brands be aware of the opportunity of being direct-to-consumer and kind of operating more agnostically in the United States versus being relegated and regulated on a state-by-state basis. So We're up to how many big brands opening up hemp sides of their business? I'm losing track, but it's a lot. Bringing up another tangential but relevant angle of this, most of these big brands are associated with MSOs. And where does their money come from? And what is their team's background and expertise? It often comes from big pharma, alcohol, tobacco, etc. And so the inevitability of those businesses to control the market in an effort to best protect their interests is really real. I know I can't blanket statement all MSOs, but I'm just putting it out there to pay attention and to stay curious. So that's all I really have on those topics for now. For sure, more to come. Please connect with me on social media at to be blunt pod at the shade of Trabi if you want to chat more about any of these topics and visit to be if you want all the podcast and other written and video forms of content that I have been producing and sharing out there. So now let's get straight to the episode. Please join me by lighting one up and let's get to the panel on Seed to Brand. Okay, hello. Thanks for being here, everybody. Hi, say hi, Matt. Hello. 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 Exciting. Yeah, thank you. We are in the panel from Seed to Brand, crafting a compelling identity for your cannabis brand. 
And of course, I've got a great lineup of panelists from brands that you probably recognize, and that's why they're up here for reasons, so that we can talk about how they're building their brands, their identities, and why it's important, especially for today's theme, which is, or I should say today's theme, but this conference's theme, doing more with less. I personally think that brands and building a brand and building a specific identity could be the make or break moment for your product. We're gonna get into it today, obviously, doing the question and panel for sure, but to kick off and start with some introductions, so I will let Kath start and introduce herself. Hi everyone, I'm Katherine Wolf. I'm a white hat. I'm the Chief Marketing and Operations Officer of Malik's Premium Cannabis. We are a small batch, passion-driven boutique brand located here in Denver, Colorado. You can find our product throughout the state of Colorado recreationally. And we do a premium flower and also small batch premium concentrate. Super happy to see here all of you today. Uh, Joe Lovett, Chief Marketing Officer for Wanna Brands. We are country's leading edibles manufacturer and primarily gummies. We're in 16 states and Canada as of right now, and uh, soon to add a few more. And this week we're launching our new SKU, a one to one CBG, CBD, THC. Fast acting product, so look at your dispensaries for that. And happy to be here. Look forward to talking about how to build brands. Hey, I'm John Shoot, CEO over Pub Creative. We are a full service cannabis marketing agency. Been around for about eight years now, and we do uh, everything from logo, brand identities, packaging, websites, SEO, social, PR ads, you name it. And uh, yeah, I'm just really honored to be up here with this. Rockstar crew, <laughs> and a shout out to Lisa and the rest of the Cannabis Marketing Summit previous this conference has been awesome. Yeah. And then my name is Shada Tarabi. I am the media moderator for today's panel discussion. I am based in Austin, Texas, the most friendly cannabis state there is. <laughs> so I operate, <laughs> thanks for laughing. I operate on the hemp side, but in addition to that, I am also a public speaker and thought leader, specifically I'm the host of a cannabis podcast called To Be Blunt. And fortunately, I've had all three of these panelists on my podcast, so it should be a really great discussion today, just diving into, again, one of my favorite topics, which is branding and how to set yourself apart from the competition. To kick things off, I wanted to start with maybe a, a rudimentary question, which is, what is a brand? But to go a little bit more beyond that, because I think sometimes when you're looking at a brand, there might be some other components to it, prioritizing different things. I think building a brand, to me, is for sure logo, your colors, your brand voice, your tone, how you're presenting your physical brand to the public. And I think John and I were talking a little bit before as well. I want to clarify and feel free to add color to this as we're discussing. Branding really can apply to everything from a physical product to a retail dispensary, to a service and agency, and to yourself as a personal brand. So I think as you're listening to today's discussion, really hear what we have to say, but absolutely apply it back to your own unique situation and scenario. And so with that, I want to really start with Kat to understand what is a brand, specifically from Malik's perspective, you entered the marketplace at a time when Colorado had already had established brands in the marketplace. And I think sometimes there's this misconception of, oh, people are already doing it, so how do I, why would I? Or maybe you're in a new market and there's not competition and you're like, this is my chance to get in and make a name for myself and get some market share. And so considering from your experience, entering in a market like Colorado already saturated, for you, what is a brand? What does that look like for Malix? And how did you really differentiate your brand in the marketplace? Yeah, I think to begin, Malik, our owner operator, got his license at the end of 2019. He is a legacy grower. He's actually from Houston, Texas. So he loves the Texas vibes. And we have started putting products out into the market in Colorado in about early 2020. So the market, again, was already lots of players, very mature. And Malik, really, when he started the brand, the main thing was we looked and saw what is something that's not being done? What is something that we could be doing differently? I think still to this day, even in 2023, you walk into a dispensary and it's a sea of white, of black, of gray, very neutral colors. There's a lot of black. And then there's a lot of that very obvious green, the things that have polys on them, the Ross, like the very typical green canvas marketing, or again, just like black and very boring. And we honestly looked and saw what is one color that not one single brand has that is nowhere on the shelf. And that was pink. 
So we created our pink branding and it has since become really a signature part of our marketing strategy where we've coined this term, the pink pack. Like where can you get pink packs? Enough on our website. Denver smokes pink, like all of these kind of things. So the color has really been core to our branding because it's something that, again, you know, we even hear at events, we go to pop ups or we go to something where they've launched their brands and it's like a sea of black tablecloths or black booths or black posters and then it's this bright pink thing in the middle. When we hear from a lot of dispensaries that people come in specifically asking, I want the pink brand, what is that pink brand? Or maybe those who don't already know it, but they're in the shop and they're like, what is that pink thing on the shelf? I want to know more about that. I want to try that. So the color has really been crucial to our brand. And then flavor first is our tagline and our slogan. And that is really something that product-wise, all of our marketing has that on it, and that you really carried out throughout everything. And that is something that we really believe in and showcase and our whole team embodies and all of our products embody. And it's something super different as well as when the market was starting. You know, a lot of people are differentiating on price or they're differentiating on product lines. Like we have an infused pre-roll or we have a five pack or we have edibles or we have bladder. But no one is really talking about the flavor or the taste. And those two things became really crucial to us as a differentiator, again, of looking and seeing a lot of people are doing something, but no one has pink and no one's talking about the flavor. And that's really how we built our brand and really identifying a differentiator that nobody else was doing and nobody else was doing well. And still, again, is really crucial, even though that from the beginning, it's still the core of our marketing today. Yeah, I really appreciate you highlighting, obviously, color being a really key thing that the brand was leading with. Again, you're thinking of a brand, it can be so many different things, but for me, it comes down to the feeling that you're able to evoke when someone is interacting with your brand or product or service. And so color being a great signifier, I remember meeting you actually for the first time yesterday and you had a pink shirt on and it's, I knew that was Kat. I knew that she was representing Mallets because of that iconic pink color. And I think that's such a subtle way that a brand can speak volumes in a space where it is very saturated and it is very consistently perhaps looking very similar. And a twisted movie to turn to you guys if you have anything to add, perhaps maybe something else that speaks to you or what really goes into a brand, but also maybe why a brand versus operating something generic. Yeah, for me, I think that in cannabis is a really unique situation that we're in. When building a brand, I think it's really important to consider the quality of your products and the story behind those products. Because at the end of the day, it's a consumer product. People are consuming this, they're ingesting it, they're putting it on their skin. So that's one of the biggest pieces of the puzzles when we're like first engaging with brands or new companies is, hey, what's your intention with your product? And how can we infuse that into your story and into your ethos? And then again, being super passionate about your, your product or your company or your brand that you're building. One of my biggest pet peeves when we're just engaging with a client or a company is we do a, we go through a pretty extensive exercises learn about the people starting the company or what's the specific value proposition that they're giving to the consumer and my biggest pet peeve is when people are like oh we just like weed and wanted to start a company and it's just no this is something that people are going to be consuming every day or something that they're going to be looking to feel better about themselves or help other people in their lives find alternative medications i think when you're considering starting a brand in cannabis i think that should be at the forefront of your intention because again, it's like a very sacred plant that's been around for thousands of years, and now we involve politics and money, and it really complicates things and it dilutes the importance, which is the consumer. I really believe that like, when you're able to start a successful brand, even when you're building that logo, those colors, those fonts, those writing materials, that story, that passion and that drive to help consumers should be a part of that and infuse into that effort. I appreciate that too, because I think it is not the notion of like weed just sells itself. I think we're beyond that. Maybe some of these like newer emerging markets can't get away with that, where you don't have a ton of competition and cannabis is legal and people want it because it's legal and it's available, but really trying to think of the story that you're going to be able to tell yeah, to really set yourself apart. Yeah, because if you listen to Jeremy Johnson's SEO panel, like what you see in newer markets is like the search terms like dispensary near me or like how to buy weed near me. But in mature markets, people are actually searching for specific products or specific ailments or ingredients or things like that. The more you dial that in early on, the better you're going to be in the long term to position yourself to grow in the state, but also grow in the multi-state. It's really going to benefit you. That's a really great tip. 
Joe, I want to ask you a little bit of a different spin on it, having such an iconically recognized brand and obviously also being embedded in just like the history of kind of Canada, specifically here in Colorado, as well as nationally. I think when you're thinking of a brand, especially again with the theme of this conference being do more with less, Nancy, obviously in the opening uh, keynote today, was sharing some of that story and some of that history, and it just made me want to pick it apart a little bit more. There's so many things that you could do when it comes to a brand. Like, oh, do I go out and do I get, and we were just talking about this um, a little bit earlier, do I go and get my logo custom printed on every piece of paper or bag that I'm going to put in my dispensary so everybody has that custom bag and look and feel? Do I get the nice marquee banner sign at my warehouse so that everybody knows my brand is here in my retail? Like, there's only so much money you can spend. There's limited funds, limited resources. From your perspective, from one and now, then until now, what has been a priority in terms of investing in the brand and some of those different key things that really do bring the water brand to life? Can I answer that question second and answer a little bit about what we're just talking about second? Yeah, first, absolutely. We, you mentioned Nancy speaker, right? You might have heard she mentioned that we had a sales and marketing order this past week. So this is very top of mind for me. And we struck a little summit with Simon Sinek, everybody mm -hmm. familiar with him, uh, his whole discussion on the why. We kick things off with that. And that's very fundamental to our brand, is going to share the all wine, both as a brand, but also as individuals. And so I would say when it comes to, to building a brand, it's critically important to, to really define why we resist, right? You can create great colors and great marketing and great fonts and all that good stuff, but if, if people don't know why you exist, and it goes beyond a little bit of the story, right? It's, it's actually yeah. the, the reason we exist. Our mission, our vision, you won't see dummies anywhere in either of those, right? Because that's not really, dummies are the deliverable, that's the why. But the why is really the foundation of our brand. And I think that's really important for brands to consider when they're starting, is understanding the why. Because then the recipe to figure out sort of a tactical or function. So going back to where you spend money on the early days, I really think that it's important to focus on the people that you bring in. Which is why, in my estimation, brands aren't just logos and look and feel. It's the people, it's how you interact with your uh, your customer, whether it's B2B or B2C, it's how you treat your employees, it's all that is underneath brand. It's the product, does it breathe quality and consistency? All of that stuff has to be in alignment. I think until you have all of that in alignment, if you feel really good about it, you shouldn't spend a whole lot of money on, on fixing your brand out there because I think you're probably not going to be as successful as you would be if all that stuff was working together. Yeah, no, that's a great point too because I think sometimes you can get over the confident by wanting to spend money to make it look nice yeah. while your product inside is maybe not living Lots up to shit or your employees don't know how, yeah. you know, how to live your, your the ethos, the brand mission. You it, then you're setting yourself up for failure almost. Yeah, I feel like it's like really tough, especially like in mature markets. Like I, I commend you so much for doing so well in this market because it's a really tough one. But it, it can be really tricky on your spend because as a marketing agency, our clients are like, what's the KPI? What's the ROI? What's that look like? And it's actually somewhat hard to set those standards for, especially for a brand, right? Until you get into enough retail. That's really the name of the game. That's where you should be spending your, your time. It's on people. So I'm getting into retailers so that you can actually set realistic KPIs and sales goals for yourself to be able to spend the right way. Because once you're in enough retail, then it actually justifies, okay, now I'm gonna spend money on influencers or I'm gonna spend money on ads or I'm gonna do more in the PR. Um, but until that point, it's like you could be wasting all that time and money when you could be spending it on just getting into those actual stores that are gonna eventually justify those spends and KPIs in the future. Yeah, obviously, I think everybody's situation is different. Again, I'm going to probably echo that more and more. Yeah. Every market really, truly has its own uniqueness to it. Every operator certainly brings different skill sets to the table. And so I think it's really recognizing what you're great at. And to your point, Joe, it is so much more than just what the consumer might see on logo or on a piece of packaging or on your social media accounts. It's really the why and getting to that core and then leading that into not just your business, but every touch point, your employees, the people that you're interacting with, all these different aspects that really do roll up into what is a brand. For me, I think the best marketing, which is an extension of brand building, is when people don't even realize they're being marketed to. It's like when I walk into a room and I'm interacting with these people and I'm feeling good, it's, oh, that makes me more inclined to want to support or do business with them. Or when I walk into an environment that makes me feel 
welcomed or seen or heard, it makes me feel more inclined. It's the subtleties, maybe it's a, excuse me, a smell, maybe it's the friendliness of the bartender, maybe it is really the information on the piece of packaging that consumers interacting with to learn more, to engage more. And so again, the brain can be so many different things. And so there's a little bit of touch points that you can take back and think, what is the application for you? But I want to turn it over to John for a little bit and really understand when you're entering a marketplace and I want it certainly because you work with so many different brands. One, you are your own brand as an agency, but also you represent a lot of different brands that have different unique stories and, and value propositions. What was some of the advice when you are talking to these customers or talking to these clients, your community about differentiating yourself in these markets? Because I think when you're looking at the competition, it's hard to not get sidetracked. Oh, and I'm sure, Joe, you can obviously comment on this aspect as well, what I'm about to say, but like gummies, it's hard to not compare yourself to Awana in the world. How can I compete with Awana? Or, or what do I need to do? Awana's doing this. How do I do or don't do that? And you're looking at cues for other brands in the marketplace, but Johnny, and I want to start with sure. you on, how much do you look at the competition? How much do you look at the marketplace? For me, I think doing market analysis is step number one. If you are going to start a brand, just to understand I think there was another speaker earlier, they were talking about the idea, I just put a dispensary, people are surely gonna come by, but depending on where your dispensary is, what's the foot traffic, what's the city, what are the, the requirements? There's a lot more that goes into it. Again, it's, it's not the notion that weed's just gonna sell itself. So how do you handle that, that conversation with your clients? Sure, and it's a tough conversation, right? Because the cannabis industry is so unique. And unless you're already a very established brand and have a very deep pocket, you're usually in a scramble as a cannabis company. I'm, a, I'm going for my license in New Jersey right now for retail, and I'm experiencing that firsthand right now. Uh, what could I have in the agency that could help me with all my marketing elements? But a lot of times, like brands or retailers or ancillary companies are in a scramble to get to the point of even launching and let so many things go, it gets swept under the rug. In an ideal situation, I would say, yes, looking at your competitor is looking at consumer data, whether that's with Frontier or BDSA or some of the along those lines. We like to look at even SEO data before we even brand companies to see what's going on in terms of search terms, what people enjoy. And then we like to perform social listening to see what specific keywords or what are people talking about in that market that relates to the product that you're going to launch. So I think diving deep into all of those data elements and that consumer data and what people actually want is probably one of the most important first steps but again, to my other point, unfortunately, not everyone has that time or that budget or those resources to do that. So that being said, I think another big question for people to ask is what's realistic and what's authentic to me? I always preach the cannabis industry has eyes on it from everyone. Every industry is looking at us right now from all over the world. What have these guys been to do? Who's going to make mistakes? Who's going to slip on? And I think that it's our responsibility to make a difference in the world through that. I always preach, hey, I think it's really good to focus on social justice. I think it's really good to focus on sustainability in the environment. I think it's really good to focus on community. And I think between those three funnels, brands can really find authentic ways to connect with their audience. And if you use those ethos or those perspectives into your brand from the beginning, that makes building that authentic relationship as your brand grows that much more legitimate. So I know there are questions to drink the Kool-Aid, but you can get customers to tune into your story if you're coming from a very authentic place. And it doesn't mean that you need to spend a ton of money or just give back to a nonprofit just to give back to it because it's pride money. It's more about what can we do realistically? Maybe we don't need to spend money. Maybe it's more, I want to educate my entire staff on genders this month. And we're going to do a whole campaign with other LGBTQ plus companies to help leverage that education across the community. Or maybe I'm going to do an anti-racism training with my team to celebrate Black History Month. And that doesn't cost any resources. That's just you generally coming from a good place to learn and be a good person. I think, yeah, I can babble on about this, but I think that when you have that perspective when you're starting your brand and want to come from an authentic place, that's really how you can differentiate. And if you have the time and the resources to involve consumer data into that's ideal. But Again, not everyone's in the same situation. I hope the answers your question. No, it's an answer question. I'll interject a quick thought. I think to your point, sometimes you think, yes, there's great resources. And again, I think Nancy mentioned earlier when Wanda got in the industry, there weren't these great yeah. resources to yeah, pull all this data. data. So it's like, you now have the data, so use the data. But also, I, I think it's important to not over complex things by the, oh, I gotta get these resources, I gotta pay for this subscription, I gotta go. It's like, 
No, I don't think your mom or your husband or your friend from childhood is explicitly the right baby person to go qualify your idea against. I'm not saying don't talk to the people you love because they could probably give you some good advice. However, I think setting up just like rudimentary questionnaires and trying to get a pulse on who is it my target audience, who is my target customer. You want to launch a brand to speak to a female audience, a mom audience. You know, do you go talk to moms? Go find out where moms are hanging out and just do some small sampling to be able to understand what their needs are that can help inform you for the products that you're going to launch and bring to market. Yeah, we have we have a very small company in California, a vegan microdose edibles line that we launched called Minerva. And when she approached us, you know, she had very little resources, was very passionate about providing microdose vegan edibles to the California market because it was just such a missing piece to that market. There really isn't any other option in California that, you know, is out there. And so she actually went dispensary to dispensary, giving them questions and talking to the bartenders to learn about what ingredients we were going to put in the products, what dosages we were going to launch with the packaging, what type of packaging would the bartenders prefer to sell, what type of ingredients would the bartenders prefer to sell. And that didn't cost her any resources. That just, she spent time and was really passionate about it. And she really wanted to know what consumers and boats and their status. You can get really creative with like how you can build your brand without spending a ton of money. But just as about, again, back to my initial point of this whole conversation is coming from a passionate place. If that's your driver, you can really make a difference. Anything else you'd like to add on? No, I'm good. <laughs>
making sure that, as I was saying earlier, are we still aligned, culture still right, uh, are the products, we have testing things in place to make sure the products have the right quality and consistency, all of that being part of the brand, that's something we look at every single day. Where it plays into sort of what you're also referring to, which is like sales and other elements of, of, the, of the company, pretty regularly actually, which is, which is great, right? So we have a strong brand as such, that maybe pulls interest in initially from a partner, from a venture, from a retail shield. But once we say, okay, they clearly want to work with us, which is great. Now we say, but sure, all the resources we bring to the table for you, how we can make it better, how we can drive traffic to your store, how we can bring our brand and leverage the strength of the things that we do really well, help lift you up, right? And in some cases, that's companies that are much smaller. In some cases, other companies that are underrepresented, underrepresented, that we can then use our platform to help uh, bring up. Um, so we, we use the brand pretty regularly, which is really exciting, right? Because it feels like there's, not only is there value in the brand, but there's an understanding of that value, both internally and externally. And we have an executive team that constantly supports the brand and our need for expansion and the, the need to invest in that brand in the right business. Is there ever a specific time or maybe moment or external event happening that would encourage a brand refresh or a brand redesign in your opinion? That's, I like to talk about the fact that sometimes we're all, we're using the same words, but language can be different, right? So when you say brand refresh to me, I'm thinking like, well, we recently redid our packaging. Right? We had a functional reason for doing it, but it was also time because our packaging did it beginning. It wasn't as, as good looking on the shelf as it was other brands would come in and the cough rolled in one shelf. There was that, I mean, there was also the functional aspect of the fact that we were very fruitful with our packaging. Previously, so many states didn't allow free of packaging, so we had so many different packaging schemes in so many different states that it got out of hand. Right. Let's revisit that, let's refresh the brand as it relates to the logos, or not the logos, rather to the packaging, the labels, but the brand itself, I think a brand refresh is a really a more of a graphic design element because the core of, of who we are I mentioned earlier is a constant living, evolving thing, right? There's never a point at which I can think of that, at least since I've been the one, that we said, you know what, we need to do a whole rare refresh. Who are we? What are we doing? But we do look at how are we living on the shelf, how we come across from a color standpoint. We just recently moved into a whole new color wave that we created over the last, let's say, six months. So if you look at one on the shelf and in stores and in some of our um, social other areas now, it looks pretty different to what it was previously, but the why that I talked about earlier, it's still, it's still the same why, therefore it's still the same brand, therefore still, people still have the same high activities. Absolutely. Kat, I wanted to throw maybe a little curveball and I'll start with you. They don't know about curveball. this. Like, <laughs> questions and it's kind of like off the cuff just because I'm thinking about it. You're obviously talking about the multifacets of what goes into a brand. And again, again, you guys who maybe are not as familiar with like branding, like I feel like I eat, sleep, and breathe branding because I am also a personal brand. So it's just like how I wake up in the morning and I think about, oh, Pat made a comment about my jacket. I'm like, well, yeah, I want to make your jacket. has my logo on it. has my name. It's nice. It's not just a t-shirt from my company. I want to elevate how I show up representing my brand. But with that, some of the points that you've been making, Joe and Don and Kat, we're talking about a brand when you buy it for your team. To me, this is an exercise I'll follow start a little bit. We started Restart, which is my cannabis brand. We had a why, absolutely. I got into the industry because one, I love cannabis, and two, because I was in a very unfortunate car accident and I was prescribed a lot of opioids and I thought cannabis was a better alternative. So that was our foundation, especially in a state like Texas, to reshape that conversation for our community, our market. But recently in December, we're a five-year-old brand. We had a team quarterly end of year meeting and we came up with, let's take those early whys, the brand mission, the brand values, and let's reestablish what it is. It doesn't say cannabis and necessarily doesn't say the gums. It doesn't say the, what I'm selling, but it's what I believe in. Why restart? And so I just want to understand and hear from you guys. Do you have brand values, a mission statement? And what was that process? And at what point did you interject it into your business? Because again, I think I don't want to be up here being like, this is the way to do it. There's many ways to establish and build your brand. I think if you don't have these things, now is a great time to be inspired to figure out what is my brand why? What are my brand values? What's my mission statement? To continue to get that buy-in internally for your team to live and breathe it. So yeah, I would love to. I actually redid our brand guidelines about six months ago and beyond the cover page, the first page of actual content in our brand guidelines is our brand values. And I'm happy to share them. They are resilience, passion, quality, and teamwork. We are a very small team. We are legacy founded. And so for us, 
that we always say we're a passion-driven brand, and that, again, is something that is in a lot of it's on our websites and a lot of our marketing. When we go out and meet people, we're always saying that. What is that passion-driven brand? Again, we're a very small team. Our people, how we help each other out, how we all come out to events throughout the brand, how we go to other industry events and support other artists in the community, not necessarily just with the cannabis brands, but how can we support our retailers? How can we support artists? How can we support musicians? Like, all of these kind of things that build a community that cannabis can enhance. So our values are a huge part of our brand. And again, being a small team, that is something that we really all have to carry out. And again, our marketing, that flavor first, that slogan that's on all of our products and our packaging and our website and our marketing, the way that we carry that out is by putting out a product that is flavorful, that's delicious, that creates that experience. And that's something that's been very crucial for us is again, you can't put flavor first on all of your packaging and then someone's so good and this, this doesn't have good flavor. There, we really take those things into account and I think it's a merge again of the passion, the quality, the perseverance, the teamwork. That is all something that's our team and our brand, but then we also put a lot of time and effort and quality control into making sure that anything that is released, the house and house name on it, that people are smoking, when they meet us at events, that it also embodies that in the values. And I think the passion is really a differentiator for us, especially here in Colorado. There are not a lot of small, fast brands. There are not a lot of commercial brands with a legacy background. And that is something that will always be number one for us the quality of the product and then our team and our passion. So we make sure those are always merged together. Those questions. I'm for sure you guys have one. Yes. But establishing that, and I guess maybe for you, the twist on it is how, so we're talking about culture and how you get buy-in as well internally so that your brand lives beyond just you and Nancy and the executive team. How do you embody those brand values? Obviously, y'all mentioned earlier as well, doing like a sales and marketing, field marketing summit. Yeah. So I'm sure those events are really important to help bolster and reinforce those brand values and mission statement. Yes. But maybe this thing too is, do you revisit that? Does it get refreshed sometimes? I'm, I'm smiling because we, we it's just spent months and countless hours dancing a smile as well because going through our, our, our mission, our vision, our values and making sure that does express what we want to express for one thing, right? But then particularly when we got to the values recently, we, we ended up dividing them. So we actually have values for the company, not so much the brand, right? So it's not a brand value, it's a company value and then values for our employees. And knowing that we aren't necessarily the employee that we're referring to, we came up with what we thought are the right things. And then we took it to our employees and we said, what do, what do you guys think about this? Are we living this? Are these values that you hold true for us? Or, and are we accountable to these values? And then they came back with a little bit of feedback and we revised it again. And we're finally, I think, unless we <laughs> look at Nancy again, unless we have another meeting about it, but I think we're pretty darn close. Now, why that's important to note this whole process is because we knew that we have a very unique and very special culture in Iwana. And I'm going to come back to that in just a second about the, the sales and marketing something. But, but sometimes it's hard to articulate that and put it into words, right? We wanted to make sure that we took what we think is special about the company and we were able to codify that. Because we knew also that even though we've been growing rapidly over the last several years, we have a lot more growth coming up. And if you don't put that stuff in place and really have it tight, you lose that culture, right? And we knew that. So that was a critical driver in us spending all the time that we had on this. Now, what I want to come back to is, you mentioned sales marketing something is one of the ways we can use to reinforce that. We didn't actually, we haven't, we didn't roll out the values per se, actually until last night at, at this company event that we did. And this was for the whole company. But the sales and marketing event was preceded that. I couldn't even begin to tell you how exciting and amazing and proud I was at seeing all 50 of the team members that were there actually living, breathing, and speaking those values without us having even told them what those values were. And there was so much immediate allegiance to, to what we're doing and to the mission and to the why that we talked about earlier that I just felt so good about the fact that it lives organically everybody. Now we put the words in the right way and we got everyone's feedback and that's all great, but, but it already lives within the company. So we had that added benefit of being able to just take that and figure out how do we, what boards do we put in place to make sure that we don't forget 
Yeah, I love that you highlighted just obviously the intentionality that goes into it. Not that I think you can maybe in today's day and age use chat shooting tea to come up with what are your brain values. <laughs> I don't recommend that. I think they should be a little bit more yeah, I don't think that's a good uh, But obviously then validating that, not just with what you think your brand values are and how you think that your branch is up in the world, but what do your employees think and how do they view you and maybe going a step further and also what is the community, what are my customers? Think about what are they saying about my brands? It's maybe that idea of how you show up. Do people say the same thing about you behind closed doors that you think they would say about you? And do those line up? So trying to get that as close to parity as possible. And you know, I would say too that the having that in writing and being to use as a common language amongst the entire company allows people to hold each other accountable as well. Because hey, you, I saw this interaction and it really wasn't aligned with the values or what we're trying to do. So you can always come back to that language as a way to to keep each other in check and ensure that we're, we're all going down the right path. Now. The important part about that is having a company, team members who embrace it and understand that if you're not quite in lockstep with where we want to go with values and with the mission and vision, that it's okay to get that feedback and, and to force correct. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think both of your friends are like great opposite spectrums of doing it right in that respect. Because when I walk, I've been in Colorado for six years. And when I walk into the dispensary and I see Wanda or Mallers on the shelves, I feel that ethos and that energy just looking at your guys' packaging. Like I know I'm, whatever I'm gonna buy, I'm gonna trust. And I know that there's good intention behind those products. And I think that's really important. And I think to other brands out there that don't have that in place yet, because maybe it was a financial or a timing or some type of restraint, I think it really is important to do that right now because that actually is going to save you money and time in the future of dealing with mistakes with your staff or whatever it may be or people buying into your company. As an agency, I've always made sure that our agency has been community focused. That's like what we do. We work with people who are also community, social justice, environmentally focused, and my staff loves it. Like we could, we go to work every single day and are so motivated because we know what we're doing is making a difference in the world. We're working with brands who are trying to help people. And yeah, I commend both of your brands for giving me that feeling and executing on that. It's so important to the industry. I think you highlighted as well, there's different spectrums of this, right? And so it's not that one is explicitly right or wrong or at a certain time is better or worse. It's just figuring out what your brand needs to do to set yourself apart and recognizing that figuring this information out to John's point is a really key piece of that foundation in order to set you up for success when it comes to the colors, the logo, the fonts, the, the expression of the brand. It's like, what is the spirit? And then what's the expression of it? Going off of that, we're almost at time, so I wanna make sure we get some juicy questions done, but I think when we're talking about building a strong brand, it's really important to highlight that strong is different for everyone because I think our goals are all different. And so this panel has a really great representation of different sides of the industry, different maturities in the industry and different goals that they're achieving. And so I just wanna understand from all of you really what goes into setting yourself up for being a strong brand. To each of you, what in your mind is I wake up and what a strong brand? Is it that what's in my pre-roll package is mimicking and matching what my messaging is saying? Is it that all states I'm operating in, my team is all on board and they're living and breathing the ethos of the brand? Is it that the brands that I'm working with, the projects that we're working with are actually doing something impactful and making sure that we're making a difference in the, in difference in the industry? And so again, these are all great things not one is more superior than the other, but certainly they're all different goals that we're achieving. So I don't want to be like, the, the goal should be, we're all want to go get acquired. I think some brands want to have longevity. Some brands want to move on to the next project. So I would just love to hear from you guys. How do you approach, you all have brands, you want it to be strong. What does that entail for Mads, want to have creative? I think for us as a small batch premium brand, specifically that is offering it in one state, our main mission is again to have a passion-driven brand in our team, to have an aesthetically beautiful product that stands out on shelves that attracts people and more importantly, maybe not typical cannabis consumer. And then really carrying that out, that is the key that brings everything together for us. So we built this brand, we have this beautiful packaging. We say these things about our product, we're flavor first, we have premium in the name. So for us, the really crucial key part is that the consumer 
actually has that premium, more flavorful, more high-end, positive smoking experience with the product. And I think that is really the key to get them coming back and loyal to the brand is that emergence of we're through our packaging, through our website, through our events, through our team, through our social media, like you mentioned, like all of these various touch points that the experience that you're creating and it's the vibe, if you will, of the brand that you're putting out. The key is that when the customer actually interacts with you then, purchases, comes to your event, leaves you, whatever the case may be, that is really what you're putting out and that it's authentic and that it matches up. Because as I mentioned, if you say you're a passive-driven brand and people meet you at an event, maybe you aren't the nicest or you aren't communal, you aren't trying to advance the industry, that doesn't really match up. If you save labor first, but you're putting out something that doesn't taste different as a superior and like that doesn't match up. So I think it's really important to, as we all might have been talking, to identify what you're passionate about and what's different about your brand. And then there's that spirit, there's that expression, there's that why. And then there's also the physically how you're going to deliver that and how you're going to, we say a visual and a verbal identity. And then that those things align and that you're really carrying it out in the actual experience. And if you're getting continuously getting feedback and if you're hearing that it's not aligning, and people are having that experience, you're getting the feedback, then what can you do to bridge that gap and merge those two things together? So that what is in your marketing and branding and then what people are actually experiencing and interacting with your brand are, are the same. So um, I'll start with something that's boring, Catholic, which is having really strong SOPs in place. And that's not just brand SOPs, but like SOPs for how we make our products and what they need to look like, you feel like, what the uh, consumer experience you need for our product. Having a really strong piece of place of people that are watching that and making sure that our partners are producing everything the way we want it to be produced, all the states that we're in, that's sort of like table stakes for it, right? Because if I would want a product in one market and it's not like it is in another market, you've got a disconnect there and you're not really supporting the brand. So strongest of these are critically important. We also have a team that is maniacal on the brand side about our look and feel and the way we come across in the markets. We do everything in-house. No offense to agencies, but agencies are critically important and certainly to the right size and time for companies and can bring a lot of good energy and good thoughts. But uh, we have a good team of graphic designers that are everything that goes out in the market, whether it's to our partners, through a dispensary partnership, through us directly, comes to this team and they look at it with care, with passion, and ensure that everything's the way it should be. Uh, our brand book helps to set that up a little bit because we've got all the fonts, the colors, and all that, the SOPs that are needed to, to make that happen. But having a team of passionate people that care about the brand and making sure that we are on top of what's going in the market is also really important. And then uh, lastly, back to codification a little bit, the part of the reason why we did what we've done recently with the Mr. Vision Values is a lot of that has come from Nancy, right? Nancy is our CEO. She is the spiritual leader of our company. And Nancy can't be everywhere all at once. And Nancy's, Nancy's got a lot of things going on. We had to make sure that we had a way to take that and, and make sure people understood outside of Nancy as well. So helping the company to mature in that sense and build it beyond just one individual and make sure that it gets spread throughout the company is another way to continue to make sure the brand lives the way that we want it to far beyond today and tomorrow. That's a really great point. I resonate with that because we're still very much a small brand, family owned, I'm with my sisters, and we do all of our stuff internally. I am the brand, which makes it really hard for me to scale, which yeah. talking with somebody earlier about this, it also empowers me because I can do my own content. I can live, eat, breathe the brand who better than the owner or founder to be the expression of it. But I think that's a challenging tension point for us as we want to grow and scale. It's, how do I bring the right people in? How do I get those people excited about my brand, our brand, the mission, where we're going, where our impact is? And it's not easy and it takes time and it takes wrestling through it. I think it's just the highlight, just the realities at different stages it is you, you never arrive. I think you had an executive speak at a conference a couple of years ago and I always really appreciated it because again, Wana, we recognize the brand, done a great job of your brand. And he said, we even at Wana don't think that we have arrived. We know there's still so much more growth and you just echoed that. And that made me feel seen and heard, aspiring to be a brand at that size and stature while also recognizing and comforting, we still all have a long ways to go and that's okay, it's part of the journey. I always try to remind myself, you don't wanna be at the destination. The destination means you're dead. You wanna enjoy the journey, you wanna be on the ride. And so you need to move through those highs and lows a little bit of pun intended, to grow. You said earlier that we're a big company, we have these, all these- We have HR. We're, we've, we've <laughs> <laughs> I, 
We have one. We have one for each charge. My point is that we, we're figuring shit out every day. Yes, like, of course. Not, yeah. It is not done. It is yeah. not figured out. We're working constantly. And that's the hard work, right? So you've got to do. Yeah, no, for sure. Very much. Yeah, for me, I think I just like everything to be excited from like the inside out. I want my, it's cannabis. We all should be excited that we can be even in, in this room right now. I grew up in Southern New Jersey. I never thought I would be at the Psychedelics Conference at a cannabis conference in two days. But yeah, I think for us, I think it's all about excitement and results. I want my staff to be excited every single day when they're doing work. I want their clients to be excited from day one. I want them to be excited about the results. I want them to be excited about what's in the future, always planning ahead. And that's what really gets me off in this industry is like, bringing the right people to life and making them excited about the brands that we're building and the people that we're helping. Because again, we're all trying to make this world a better place through cannabis. So we really can. I don't even know if that answers your question, but. <laughs> but yeah, I just really think that we just can't let go of that. Because this industry can be very stressful, can be very hard, no matter if you're big or if you're small. I think we're all going through all these challenges and learning and growing every day, but you just can't forget that you got in this because you were excited about cannabis and about helping people and you need to build that into your business model and remind yourself and everyone that you work with and you're partnered with that they should be excited about it too. It's great. Okay, we're almost wrapping up and I always love to end on a high note. So we are going to go through the panelists and give our audience one key takeaway. If you have a book, it could be a tip, it could be an action. I will go first. I know sometimes it is very scary going to a conference and maybe out of your comfort zone. So kudos to all of you for showing up and choosing to invest in yourself. I personally struggle with this. I showed up yesterday and I was like, wow, I don't know a lot of people in the room and it felt intimidating. And then I reminded myself, we're all here because we have one thing in common, maybe two things in common, more for sure. But definitely love cannabis and love marketing. And we want to learn from each other. And so if you haven't turned to the person sitting to your left and your right, if you are grabbing a water and you're afraid to talk to the person also grabbing a water, like just say, hey, probably you can learn something from that person. We're all qualified because we're all here in the room showing up. So I just want to encourage you to continue on networking and enjoying the rest of this show that we have today. John, what about That's you? Good advice. Thank you. I would say if you're building a brand and the theme of less is more is do everything you can to listen to what your consumer wants. That is gonna save you so much money, time and headache. If you're not listening, there's not really a point. That's, I'll leave it at that. Great, Joe? I'll just reiterate what I was saying earlier about the why and knowing your own personal why and your brain's why because there are so many brands in cannabis. Those shelves are so crowded and there's so many choices on consumers. I think if you as an individual are grounded in, in why you're doing what you do, a little bit what you said earlier, but also your brain and what you're bringing to the market isn't, it's, it's gonna fall flat and you'll fall flat as well as the individual. So Rich will get Simon's the next book. Start with one. Watch his TikTok. It's pretty simple if you've seen me, right? So it's, I don't know about the book, but or the video even, but just really thinking about why am I doing what I'm doing, not what am I doing. Spend some time journaling, putting on paper. Yeah, that's good. Great. Yeah. I think something that has really been resonating with me lately, which I think is applicable to every industry and role of just cannabis and marketing, but to, is to surround yourself with people who are supportive, but also who are collaborative, and I think you are someone that you can inspire. Something that Malik has really taught me to surround yourself with people who you look up to, who are doing as good as you or better, and just whether that's your team from a brand perspective, or just personally, the friends and, and colleagues that you surround yourself with. But I think this industry is, again, very tough. You're doing a lot with very little resources. You have to be super passionate. And I think it's very easy to get feet down, especially with the market right now, just how tough things are. Everyone is struggling and doing a lot with very little. So just to have people that understand, that are supportive, that want to lift you up, that want to collaborate, that also want to find ways to do more than with less with you and help you, each other. So I think that community aspect right now is super important and just having a really great support system as marketers in our industry right now is something that you really need, I think, to be successful. All well said points. Okay, I'm gonna look at the guys in the back. Do we have time for a couple questions? We're gonna Lisa, maybe? One and a half super fast ones, because we are a little bit. Any questions? 
Do we have any questions? Super fast questions. And also, if you guys are still around, you can take questions. Absolutely. Any questions? Okay, that's Arthur easy. Questions. Yeah, you can. You must be answering every question. Good job. Thank you. To photos, we would love to see your content. We have brands; they're online. Please tag us and send the photos. I always make that joke. I'm like, my mom couldn't be here, so she needs to see me. So please, let's online tag us. So thanks again for Lisa and Tim for having us and sharing this conversation with us today. Appreciate it. That wraps up another fantastic episode of the To Be Blunt podcast, and I hope you've enjoyed the enlightening discussions and insights we've shared today. But the conversation doesn't end here. I invite you to join my vibrant community of cannabis enthusiasts, experts, and advocates. So what can you do to stay connected and get involved? First, make sure you subscribe to To Be Blunt on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And if you've enjoyed our show, I would truly appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review it. Your feedback helps the podcast grow and reach more listeners like you. Next, head over to our website, www.tobebluntpod.com, where you'll find a wealth of resources, exclusive content, and our show archives. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date on the latest cannabis news and events. Lastly, I would love to hear your thoughts, questions, and episode suggestions. Connect with me and the show on social media. Find us on Instagram at tobebluntpod and at theshadedtorabi. Let's keep the conversation going and work together to dispel myths, break stigmas, and celebrate the incredible world of cannabis. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, stay curious, stay informed, and stay blunt.